We, since Easter, have been in a sermon series since Easter, friends. It's been a long time, called Encounters. And we have been looking at different stories of Jesus encountering real people. And we believe here that Jesus was a real person with a real life and real history that encountered real people just like us every single day while he was here on earth. And we also believe that we can encounter God today. We can encounter Jesus through the Holy Spirit, even though he's not physically, physically here, right? And when we encounter Jesus, things start to change. So let's be ready for that this morning. I was just reminded, not just by Pastor Corey a minute ago, but just this week that when God encounters us, when we are searching for God, like it's not just up for God to move, it's not just up to God to move in our life, but we have to be ready for that too. We have to do something. We have to do some moving. And so I just want to encourage you and challenge you to lean in, maybe take out some notes, take out your phone to write stuff down, because he's going to be speaking, and we just have to be ready for that. We have to open our eyes and just have our hearts soften, right? But I would love for you to take out your Bibles this morning and turn to John 21. This is the last chapter amongst the four books that we call the Gospels. This is the last chapter that kind of closes out in our Bible the story of Jesus. And would you stand with me as we read our passage this morning? We are going to be starting in verse 15. And it says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that we can encounter you in real ways today. Even 2,000 years after you walked this earth, God, I pray that we would be ready to just receive what you would have for us this morning, that we would have our eyes wide open, our ears ready to listen to how you are moving, to how you are speaking to us, God. You are good at being God. Don't let us miss this moment, this opportunity to deepen our faith in you. And everyone said, amen. You guys can have a seat. This story is the very last encounter in the Gospels that Jesus has with his disciples. In fact, in some of your Bibles, it'll even say that this chapter is an epilogue of sorts. It continues the story of Jesus, but it also provides a bridge to get to the book of Acts, which is the next book in our Bibles, where we see the start of the church where Jesus ascends, where we see Peter rise up and Paul rise up. And this conversation that Jesus has with Peter around a campfire at breakfast, I really believe that this changed the trajectory of Peter's life and the church that we know today. But in order to understand the significance of this small conversation, these three verses that we read, we need to kind of scale it back and look at the big picture. And so Peter was a disciple of Jesus, but before he was a disciple of Jesus, he was first a fisherman. How many of you like to fish? It's summertime, it's fishing season, amen. I would say I'm a fisherwoman of sorts, but uh, my friends kindly remind me that my dad baits my hook and takes the fish off my hook, so I don't know if I count. 
Um, I do like fishing when I catch fish, but I just don't, I just don't do that. Um, but fishing is one of my favorite things to do with my dad. But Peter, that's his job. That's his whole life. And many of you are probably like, oh, that'd be a good life. Uh, I don't think it would be a good life. You'd smell like fish all the time. It'd be a mess. But Peter, one day, while fishing, is cleaning his nets, and Jesus is teaching nearby, and Peter is, gets roped into this miracle, and Jesus using his boat and catching a bunch of fish, and, and he ends up becoming a follower of Jesus, and not just any old follower. Peter is said to have recognized Jesus first out of all the disciples as the Savior, as the Messiah, and he was very zealous. He was very outspoken. Jesus kind of had to be like, Peter, chill, multiple, multiple times. We all know one of those people where you're like, chill. Hi, Pastor Corey. But <laughs> Peter was the most outspoken. He is said to have asked Jesus questions about the parables. He's listed first on most of the accounts within the Gospels when they list the disciples. He's, he's first in line. He's also outspoken about how much he loves Jesus, and he loves Jesus more than any and all of the disciples. Peter is also the rock that Jesus wanted to build his church on, which is, that's what his name meant, rock. And for three years, he spent his entire life alongside Jesus, preparing to be that rock, preparing to launch the church, whether he knew it or not. But when it mattered most, Peter faltered and failed. We read in the account of Easter when Jesus was arrested shortly afterwards, a little girl, a servant girl, asked Peter, hey, weren't you that guy that always hung out with Jesus? And Peter's like, uh, no. And he was asked that two more times. And he still denied Jesus in a total of three times. And then Peter's teacher, his Messiah, his friend, his Lord, died. And we know and celebrate that Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again, and Peter was one of the first people even to get to the empty tomb. He raced the other disciple, John. And he reunites with Jesus as well, and that's where we kind of find ourselves at the beginning of this chapter. Peter's back in the fishing boat. Jesus rose again, and he's seen Jesus but yet he goes back to fishing. Because fishing is all that Peter knew before Jesus. And Jesus appears on the shore, does yet another miracle, and Peter is the first one out of the boat to get to Jesus. And when I say first one out of the boat, that doesn't mean they like went to shore and docked it. He jumped out of the boat and like swam to shore. He was ready. And this is where we pick up our passage. They have breakfast, and before we like kind of go through this, I want you to first like take this story, take Peter's whole journey with Jesus, and I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes. I want you to think about the roller coaster Peter's been on. Jesus, like, miraculously doing miracles in front of him. Jesus doing life with him, calling him a rock, calling him the thing that he's gonna build his church upon, and then Jesus being arrested Peter denying Jesus, Jesus dying, the, Jesus rising from the dead, and now there's this kind of giant elephant at the breakfast campfire between Jesus, Peter, and the disciples where Peter knows he denied Jesus. Jesus knows Peter denied Jesus. 
And the disciples know that Peter denied Jesus. And they're kind of like, is Jesus going to, like, bring it to Peter? Like, is he going to, like, yell at Peter? Is, how's this going to work? What's going to happen? And I, I, I don't know about you, uh, but when I know I messed up, I don't like being in the presence of the person that, like, I messed up with or for whatever I did. I don't like that. Nor do I like bringing up when I mess up. But all that Jesus does, all that Jesus does is look at Peter and ask, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Jesus asks this question three times and Peter answers in the same way, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And it's not hard to see the parallel of the three times Jesus asks this question versus the three times Peter denied Jesus days prior. In this section of your Bible, some of, the, some of your Bibles, this little story is called the restoration of Peter. Peter was called to be the rock of the church and he stumbled when he denied Jesus three times and here at this breakfast, Jesus gives Peter another chance to declare his love for him. And I wanna just highlight a few things about this story that I noticed as I was reading it and I've read this story a lot. This is one of my favorite stories in the Gospels. But Jesus does this, first of all, publicly. He does this in front of the other disciples. It's not like calling Peter out, like taking him aside, going, hey, Peter, hey, Peter, Peter. You love me, right? Like, we're square. No, no, no. He does this in front of all the other disciples who knew that Peter messed up. I would be mortified if, like, Jesus was, like, calling me out a little bit because the disciples picked up on what was going down. But this is important because it not only restores Peter's relationship with Jesus, but it restores his reputation with the other disciples. Jesus does this publicly, not just for Peter's sake, not just for Jesus' sake, but for the other disciples because Peter is still the rock that the church is gonna be built upon. And the disciples, the disciples needed to know that Second is Jesus uses Peter's old name. Jesus doesn't ask, Peter, do you love me? He asks, Simon, son of John, and names in the Bible are important, friends. And so we have to notice this because Jesus was addressing him not as the rock that was called to be faithful and sturdy, but it was his name before he met Jesus. It was his past. It was his mistakes it reminds Peter of where he had come from and how far he had come from that point. He was given the name Peter at a very climactic moment of his life when Peter goes, when Peter tells Jesus, you are the Messiah. That is when Jesus gave him the name Peter. That is when Jesus gave him this identity of being the rock. But upon denying Jesus, he gave up that identity and took up his old one. And the third thing is, is there is a condition to Peter loving Jesus. Jesus is clearly telling Peter, if you love me, then feed my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of my flock. Peter has an action step here, a charge, a challenge, because he loves Jesus, 
Because he loves Jesus, he will feed Jesus' sheep. Because Peter loves Jesus, Peter will take care of the disciples. He will take care of the new believers. He will take care of the church. And it's in this conversation, it's in these three simple questions that we see Peter forgiven and restored. When we encounter Jesus, friends, we too are forgiven and restored. Sometimes we overestimate our own capabilities. We rely on our own strength, boast of our own actions, our own like, self-proclaimed love for things, and without God, we fall flat on those claims. We fall flat on our own strength, like Peter who claimed he'd never, ever, ever deny the Lord to, to Jesus' face. And then 12 hours later, he does, he had these sweeping grand statements all throughout the Gospels of how he loved Jesus the most. He would never deny them. But when the time came, he fell flat on his own claims. And if I had a dollar for every time I've done something I say I'd never do, um, I'd probably be pretty rich right now. But when we rely on our own claims, our own strength, when we boast of our own actions, when we kind of hype ourselves up a little bit too much, right, we too end up falling short, and when we fall short, we end up disqualifying ourselves from getting back up, from believing we're strong or faithful or good enough. Peter went back to fishing, even though he knew he'd be the foundation of the church. That is what Jesus told him, and that still stood, but he disqualified himself. And when we, when we all do things that make us feel like we are disqualified or unworthy, of love, unworthy of forgiveness. We all have fallen short of our own expectations and the expectations we think God has for us. We've done things we are not proud of. We've had things done to us that make us feel unworthy or not called anymore or not good enough. And I don't know about you, but when I mess up, when I fall short, when I fall flat on my face, which is pretty often enough, the hardest person to take all of that to sometimes is God himself. Because I have this mess up that I did and, and like a disastrous kind of snowball avalanche effect, I'm like, okay, I messed up here, but I can fix it, so I'm gonna do this. And then I'm like, oh, that didn't work, here we go. The snowball gets bigger, and I'm like, oh, well, I can just shrink it like this, and then it multiplies, and then it's a mess. And you met, I, end up, I end up messing up everything even more and trying to fix it myself. And all that I end up with when I try to do that is a heart that is hurting and a feeling of worthlessness that drives a wedge further between myself and God. And I know many of us in this room have faced that as well. And then I'm holding this nasty stuff far, far away from God and I feel like I have to clean it up, I have to tidy it up, shrink it, minimize it, make excuses, justify it, cover it up before I can even ask God for forgiveness, before I can even feel like I can worship God sometimes. But if this story, if this conversation Jesus has with Peter teaches us anything this morning, it's that forgiveness is not a destination we have to strive to, but a launching point to leap off of. Peter did not wash up, clean up, shape up before Jesus forgave him. 
before Jesus restored him. In fact, Peter probably smelled like fish and seawater at that point in time. And we don't read about Peter apologizing to Jesus at all, really, in any of the interactions we have after Jesus came back from the grave. But we too, friends, don't have to make ourselves look presentable or better. We don't have to strive to a level of excellence to receive forgiveness from God. We don't have to come in here into this service with our best dress on. We don't have to come in here raising our hands, faking it in order to be worthy of being loved, of being forgiven, of encountering God. I mean, if we could have pajama Sundays every Sunday, I think that'd be amazing. But this forgiveness is a free gift, and it's a wonderful gift that we too get to take and receive. And I don't know about you, I, I hate gifts. Gift giving is like my least favorite, is my least love language. It scored like a two on the love language test, um, and my top love language scored like a 16, so that's the scale here. But I hate one-sided gifts, especially because I always wonder what I can do to repay the gift or what I should, should I write a thank you note? Like, do you want this church pen? Um, oh my gosh, and I just get super stressed out. All that I have are church pens, apparently. But I get super stressed out about it. But our response to this gift of forgiveness that God gives us does require action. But that's the beauty of it all because when we receive this gift of forgiveness, which when we ask, we will. When we fully live in it and dive into it and let it actually affect us, it gives us a foundation, a launch point, a springboard to do things right, to do things better, to do it different, to walk out of shame and darkness and guilt into the identity that God has for us. This morning we sang, I will build my life upon your love, and that includes God's forgiveness. It is a firm foundation. This conversation Jesus and Peter had launched the stories we read about in Acts. It restored Peter and his identity. Peter who disqualified himself. Peter who is a father of the church we know today. Peter who did miracles in the name of Jesus who saw Jesus ascend to heaven, who saw the Holy Spirit come down at Pentecost and fill the room. Peter, who took the news of Jesus out into the world. But friends, Peter did something vital within this conversation, and that is he accepted the gift. Worship team, you can come up at this time. All of us come from different stories and walks of life, different jobs, different families, different pasts, different things that have happened to us that, that we have done. Some of you have may walked in here feeling unworthy yourself after this week, feeling too broken, too messed up, too damaged to even think about a God that loves you, and you probably came in here wondering, what am I even doing here? But when Jesus died on the cross, he knew Peter denied him. He foretold it the night before. Still, he thought of Peter and died for him. When Jesus died on the cross, he knew you. He knew your story, your ups and downs, your favorite foods, your biggest regrets. He knew you and still he thought of you and died for you. This morning, we have an opportunity here 
to receive this gift of forgiveness. And that's not just about accepting God into our life for the very first time because often enough, I have to ask for forgiveness over and over and over again because uh, who else understands that we're not perfect. And even after finding Jesus, even after living in this, we mess up, we fall short, and we still have to come back to God again and again and go, God, can you forgive me? I've messed up. We have an opportunity this morning to receive this and to not just go like, yeah, God forgives me and feel great for this next like day and a half, but we have an opportunity to use this forgiveness as a springboard to do something different, to live differently, to walk in the identity God had given us that we previously disqualified ourselves from, to walk as a child of God, to walk as a son, as a daughter, as someone who is made whole, who is made worthy, who is loved, who carries peace with them, who carries strength with them. And that doesn't just last for a Sunday afternoon. What are you going to do with this gift? Are you going to receive it? And maybe some of you are in here going like, hey, I'm pretty, I'm pretty square with God, I think. My further challenge to you is once we receive this gift of forgiveness, we, we use it as a springboard, we launch, we do things differently, and maybe you're in the middle of that, but take up Peter's charge. Jesus told him, then tend my sheep. We are a church family here. We support one another, we pray for one another. Tend his sheep, take care of one another. We can't do this on our own, whether we are at the top of our game or in our lowest valley. Forgiveness is not a destination we have to strive for, but a launching point to leap off of. Friends, let's take this leap this morning. Let's come out and do something different. Let's tend the flock that God has given to us. Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads with me? I wanna take this opportunity to pray for you. And I want to give you an opportunity to just ask for forgiveness. Maybe, maybe you've known Jesus all your life and you just need to Resubmit this, resubmit this gift in your life. So this morning, if you are feeling that shame, that guilt, and you just need to receive that forgiveness, would you just raise a hand? I just want to pray for you really quick. I just pray that as we go out this week, you would just be reminding us over and over again constantly of the amazing gift you gave us through Jesus dying on the cross and rising again, this forgiveness of everything that separates us from you, everything that brings us shame and guilt, everything that we have done wrong, mistakes we've made. God, I pray that we could live in this forgiveness, that we can live our life forgiven, that nothing that we do will separate us from you. But God, I just pray that our hearts believe that, 
Jesus, you are good at being God and you love us so much. Help us to understand. Help us to leap off of this foundation you have given us to go further than you have ever let us dream. God, you are so good. And we just ask that you would just keep what you've spoken this week in our hearts as we go out. And then we pray. I also want to give an opportunity, maybe you've walked in here and you have never actually accepted Jesus into your life, you've never made that change, you've never proclaimed it like Peter, maybe you've been denying it for a while. And I want to give an opportunity to just pray with you, to pray for you as a church, because we are a family. I want to give you an opportunity to join that family. And so with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you want to accept Jesus for the first time, would you just lift a hand? I want to pray with you and for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Would you pray this prayer with me? All of us in this room, just repeat after me. God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Would you forgive me of my sins? Come into my life, change my heart. Help me to live for you. In your name we pray, amen. What a good morning, my friends. Let's celebrate that. People join the family of God. It's the most important decision you would ever make. Let's take this week, let's take what God is speaking to us, not only during our message, but just during worship. It has been a good morning where God has been speaking in every aspect. His presence is here. And let's just take that outside of these four walls and let's just go and be the church and tend the sheep. You guys are dismissed. Have a great Sunday.